Mr. Lee, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? How's it going, Stephen? Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it, brother. My pleasure. Such a great topic as well. So it's a topic that seems to uh, not go away ever. It seems like as the years go by, more and more people are fascinated with trying to get to the truth of the matter. So maybe that's a good place to start. Jay, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for asking. And I was just telling um, Ryder about the the interest in the in the JFK assassination and how it seems to go from strength to strength as the years go by. And uh, what's interesting about your documentaries, you, it feels like you've uncovered some new information and, and hypotheses that have never been put forward before. Uh, so maybe that's a place to start in terms of just the impact of the assassination, yeah. because I, I think at some point in the documentary, uh, it's actually pointed out that the American psyche or words to that effect or, uh, you know, American culture has never really recovered from this this sort of tragedy. And what, what exactly does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, Ryder, maybe you can kick us off with that. Well, it's important for the audience to know that the film that me and Jay Widener made, uh, JFKX, Solving the Crime of the Century on Amazon Prime. Now, it's not just a rehashing of old information. It's new information, and it's unlike anything that you've ever heard before. We take you through all of the theories of what people speculated happened on November 22nd, 1963, and the 60th anniversary is coming up uh, here really soon this November. But it's not just another JFK movie. Right. How many times can we hear that it's the CIA that did it, it's the mob that did it, or the driver of the limo that did it, or there was multiple shooters, or that there was a grassy knoll shooter? It's not just another JFK film, and I think that that's important uh, just to put that up front. I, I totally, I think that's really fair to say because I, I was nodding along for the first half of that documentary, you you know, going over the, the typical conspiracy theories, thinking I've heard all this before. Then it took a rather strange left turn that I didn't see coming, which is which is fascinating, which we will get into. So, so Jay, you've got a background in filmmaking, haven't you? And maybe you can just let us know exactly how that helped you go about uh, sort of restoring and taking a fresh look at the, the famous Sapruda film. Or maybe you could just start by explaining what that is to people you might not know. Yeah, so <clears throat> I kind of um, have a, because of my filmmaking background, I'm able to look at things with a different eye, I believe. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm the guy that saw the front projection work in the uh, Apollo footage and showed the world that the guy who was the expert in front screen projection was Stanley Kubrick and he was making 2001 at the same time. Is that a coincidence? And I say, no. And so <clears throat> Ryder and I decided to, what would happen if we took that software that takes old fashioned movies, old movies from like the twenties and the teens, and we run it through that, we run the Zabruder film through that and we'll get a much clearer version of the Zabruder film than we've ever had before. And the Zabruder film, of course, is the film shot by Abraham Zabruder, the only film shot of the JFK assassination. And so we watched the enhanced version. And, you know, then I kind of describe what I see in this enhanced version of the Zabruder film. And it's not what we've been told is going on. Um, and we are really, I think, the only people to point out a number of different things. One, the autopsy picture clearly shows a gunshot here to the back of Kennedy's head, yet the Zabruder film shows him getting shot here, which is really strange. And there's no shot here in the autopsy film at all. 
There's nothing. This is completely clean. This side of the of the face that he get, or this side, I mean, where he gets shot at, and um, and I think we're the first to point out that in the Zabruder film, no one's reacting to high-powered weapons going off right nearby him. I mean, if you do a Google Earth and you look at where Elm Street is and where the shooter by the grassy knoll is, you're talking 13 yards, 40 feet. Um, a high-powered rifle at 40 feet is going to be so loud, it's going to be deafening. And everybody's going to look. First, you're going to duck. Then you're going to look on the second shot to who the hell is firing this rifle, right? And the same thing, even from the book depository, it would echo in, uh, around the cavernous buildings all around. You would hear ricocheting and, and the sound would be gone, but nobody reacts to any guns going off. And not even Zabruder, who's filming it. And the bullets are whizzing literally right past his head. And he's not, the camera doesn't do any jerky movements or anything. He gets, keeps it moving smooth. And um, <clears throat> and so now, um, you know, this is like, what is really going on here? You know, um, what is it that we're actually seeing? And what we're seeing is a theater, basically, theaters. Okay, we'll, um, we'll get to the specifics of that in a moment for sure. But here's where I have trouble with JFK conspiracy theories. I don't know if you're like, you'd, well, I would imagine you would concede that your position is advocating that a conspiracy did happen, obviously, because, you know, you're advocating for a truth that must have allegedly been covered up. But the problem I have is, is that if you're somebody who attempts sort of... Um, logical thinking or skepticism one of the first tools in your toolbox is sort of occam's razor and the problem i have with this type of thing is it's just an extra question after extra question on top of doubt on top of doubt and it seems to raise more questions than it answers and i suppose what people would be wanting more than anything else would be direct evidence of the things you're saying do you think the things you're advocating are directly evidenced in, in what you've produced actually yeah i think that that's why we that's why we made it a film because our evidence is a film. And so we made it into a film because why would I want to write an essay about a film when I can show the film? So we show the film and you can see it. You can see exactly what we're describing, the events that happened. You can see the unnatural reaction by Jackie um, after the so-called shooting and also the unnatural reaction by JFK as he falls down into the car. And you, you, know, you have to ask yourself fundamental questions. If uh, your wife sitting next to you in an open limousine had just had her head blown off right in front of you, what would you do, right? And and your, your first reaction would not be leave her alone, let her fall into the car, and let me scramble out into the more into more uh, visibility to get shot at, or would you? cuddle your wife, cradle her head, try to protect her. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know what I would do. I think and what really made me look at this whole thing, because I was back and forth every time looking at this, Stephen. When I was making this film, I was calling Jay. I was like, Jay, I think it was the CIA. Jay, I think it was the mob, as I'm doing the research to make this film. And it wasn't until we saw the very – uh, high resolution of the Zabruder film and the autopsy photos to go along with that, which is all shown in the film. You can say whatever you want. The conspiracy theorists can say whatever they want and they can say that, oh, we're just, you know, doing whatever. But you look at JFK, the side of JFK's face, 
there is something on his face. It is undeniable. And we're not the only researchers to see that there's something on the side of his face right. as he's rolling through Daly Plaza, as he comes out from behind the Stemmons freeway sign. And then when you look at the autopsy photos that Jay mentioned earlier, there's only a shot to the back of the head. There's not a shot to the side of the head. So if he got shot in the back of the head, his head would go forward in the Zabruder film but it went back into the left as the sh meaning that if it was a shot, then it would have had to have come from the, his right side. It could not have come from behind him. Okay. So I'm come from the book depository because if it would have hit him in the back of the head, his head would have went forward and he would have went forward and over onto his lap. But instead he goes, Back this sure. Way. Okay. So I mean, if I, if I might just pick up on that point, Jane, I'll, I'll pick straight up with you. I suppose. I mean, I'm no expert on the um, the Warren report and the official explanations, but I seem to recall being told. Certainly, the official explanation was a uh, direct shot to the back of the head, an exit wound at the front, and the thing that was used to explain this not toppling over in the car was this uh, idea that JFK had some sort of back brace that kept him held up straight. There is a little bit of a sway, and then he seems to go straight back up. I don't know if that's something you're aware of or anything you, you considered regarding that. Yeah, we show that in the film, that he wears a back brace. Um, he had Addison's uh, disease, which is a deterioration of the nervous system. And we show him with crutches. And, he had, and yes, so that... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if a brace could do that or not, because I don't know the nature of the brace. But there is, <clears throat> there's two things that have to be said. First, there's a splice at uh, 212, frame 212. There's four frames missing, and it happens to be coincidental just when JFK's limousine goes behind the Simmons freeway sign. Okay. So, so Jay, to do this again, but just so everyone knows, because uh, we're talking sort of technical language, a splice, I assume, is when they connect a piece of negative because there's missing frame. Would I be correct? Yeah, there's four right. frames missing, uh, 211 through 207. And um, here's the thing, is that time life uh, was in, the, in control of the Zabruder film. Almost immediately, they, they bought it from Abraham Zabruder. All right. The Warren Commission requested that Time Life give them a copy, which they did. But Time Life never told them that there was two splices in the film, which is tampering with evidence. So the Warren Commission used the Zabruder film as their timeline, not knowing that there had been a splice in there and that there were four frames missing. Time Life didn't even admit this until 1967. And... Um, and, and they've never explained, well, how did this flight happen? Who did it? How, what, what was the name of the technician? Why did it happen? What's going on? And we point out in the film, there's a color balance change right after that splice. It goes from a, a reddish hue to a bluish hue. That would indicate that they were using daylight um, Kodachrome. That's what Zabruder was using. And that they used an optical printer after the splice because you would use um, indoor Kodachrome, which has a bluish tint, if you're doing it on an optical printer. And it's clearly, you can see that the people in the background behind the limousine are as big or even bigger than the people in the limousine, which is impossible on an optic level. So uh, it looks to us like they optically use an optical printer after the splice. And that is probably the whole reason for the splice. Okay, and in regards to the Zapruder film and the work you did on it, what, how did you, ob I mean, which source did you use to do it? Where did you obtain your copy of the Zapruder film from? Uh, they sell it. You can buy the DVD on uh, Amazon. Um, so a, a commercial source. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, but it's completely, you know, they've got frames and, 
and everything so you can go through it. It's the um, enhanced Oliver Stone um, uh, version. Is it, not, is it not possible that film was edited and frames were missing because for commercial reasons or uh, oh, previous oh no. attempts to restore it rather than the the original one that was handed oh, no, as evidence life, missing frames? Time Life, time life in, in 1967. No uh, copies of the Zabruder film were out at all in 1967. They admitted that there were two splices in the film. So they hadn't, nobody had made a copy of it. Uh, as far as I know, the first copies showed up. Uh, they were uh, purloined. I don't know how uh, out of time life around 1970 was the first copies of the Zabruder film. Very grainy. You couldn't see anything. People thought the driver did it because you couldn't really tell what was going on. But there is one thing in the Zabruder film, which I want to bring up. <clears throat> Right after Kennedy exits the um, Stemmons freeway sign, where the splice is, um, everybody in that limousine, except for Jackie, is staring at Jack Kennedy, JFK. Every, the driver is staring at him, the, the Secret Service guy next to the driver, John Connolly, and John Connolly's wife. All their heads are turned looking at Kennedy. And why, do they, why are they looking at him? Unless there, there's something going on. Yet nothing's going to go on for another two seconds. So how, how are they anticipating that there's going to be a shot or whatever it is, the reason that they're looking back? Well, the reason they're looking back at him because he put the sting on his, on his head. And they're, looking, they're waiting for it. To, they're waiting to watch it. They're going to watch the so thing. It, it, it might be worth just pointing out at this point that you advocate or propose this idea of a of almost like movie prop squib explosion as if this yeah. was orchestrated and you you put forward the idea that Jackie actually helped orchestrate this, certainly in the technical aspects of it, you know, pulling a string, yeah. etc. So it's almost like a movie prop explosion. I mean, just going back to this idea of them staring at his head before anything happens, uh, was this not re in response to a first shot that struck him, I believe, in his back? Or, I mean, it was, well, it wasn't they, say the shot the neck. they say that there was a shot that got, he got shot in the neck, but there's no blood. And Hunter could tell you that where you want to hit an animal is in the neck because it bleeds out almost instantly. And then you don't have to chase the animal. So if he got hit in the neck, literally every artery in the human body goes through the neck. It would just, it would, you talk to guys who've seen somebody with a neck wound. It is, uh, it would be blood everywhere. It would be spraying all over the backseat of the car, all over Jackie, all over him. Jackie gets out and there's a picture of her and she's got, you know, on her dress, about a spot of blood, hardly any blood at all, about this big on her dress. That's it. That's it. From a guy who has two a head wound and a neck wound. And that's all. That's all the blood that there is. There a reporter went and took a picture of the in, the back seat of the car at Parkland Hospital. And there's just a couple drops of blood. A couple drops. Right. Um, I just want to pick up on this idea of Jackie, this iconic scene of you know, this moment of Jackie climbing on the, uh, would you say, I suppose that's the trunk in America, isn't it? The rear of the car, climbing on the back of the car and obviously being, uh, you know, ushered back into a seat by a secret service agent. That's become quite iconic. And what official reasons have, has ever been put forward as to why she behaved that way? I know why you explain why you think she was behaving that way in the film, but yeah. has there ever been an, an official explanation yeah. to, to tell us what she yeah, was doing she, there? She claims that she, uh, that some of his brains fell onto the trunk, um, but the um, the um, enhances the Bruder film shows no blood, no brains, nothing on the back, except 
something that Jackie is retrieving that you can see is clearly there on the trunk. And, um, uh, you know, uh, but there's no blood anywhere, anywhere on the trunk. That's one of, the things, one of the things I'm so thankful for, the enhanced version of the Zabruder film, because both John Connolly and one of the Secret Service agent that just came out both said that they saw blood on the back trunk of the car and brain matter, but there ain't any. It would be very clear to see, and there isn't any. We have a 4K, 24-frame version of it, and we even have a slowed-down version of it. No brain matter flies from Kennedy's head to the back of the car. None. Right. I don't know if you want an opportunity to just build on the back of what Jay was saying there. Any thoughts you want to share? It is really interesting, uh, Stephen, that there is no blood because if there was three shots that ring out that day, one hitting uh, JFK in the neck, the next one missing, and another one hitting JFK in the head, there is no blood. And then also the third one hitting John Connolly in the back, which is supposedly the magic bullet that got all the conspiracy theorists in an uproar, which turns out that was a complete and utter fabrication as well. So regardless if you believe what we're saying or not, the magic bullet theory is complete nonsense. And that's where all of the conspiracy theories have all come up from. Paul Landis just came out and admitted me and Joe, me and Jay just did a show on this the other day on his channel. And Paul Landis came out and said that he planted the magic bullet in the stretcher of JFK, that he took it out of the limousine. And it was and sitting on the seat. He found it sitting on the seat of the back seat of the limousine. And, 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 and this is a trained secret service guy. He was supposed to not touch that bullet. You're supposed to put it in a container, not touch it, give it to the right forensic people, let them examine it. But what does he do? Jackie Kennedy's top secret service agent picks the bullet up and takes it into Parkland Hospital and drops it on the stretcher. The wrong stretcher. <laughs> I mean, isn't it also potentially likely that an 88-year-old man has just thought of something to coincide with the anniversary to I would attention. agree. Okay. I, I mean, would maybe, agree. Maybe I, call that I think what they're doing with that guy is elder abuse. I really do. I think you could be absolutely be right. He could just be completely out of his gourd. Because, uh, I mean, literally, he could be arrested. That, there's no statute of limitations on a, a presidential assassination. Tampering with evidence like that, he could go to jail. In fact, I honestly, I think he should. That's I think it's a point. Everybody, yeah. you, you tamper with evidence, you're going to go to jail. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. I mean, just just wanted to uh, move back to this idea of uh, blood or lack thereof in, in this case. And I suppose, I mean, you'll know this, Jay, working in the, in the movie industry. A lot of us have got a very false idea of what a bullet hit is, thanks to the dramatic nature of movies. To the point where, as an adult, I've seen police shootings and war footage, and it all seems almost worse in how mundane and untheatrical it is. And it, that almost makes it slightly more sinister in my eyes. And is that is that not maybe perhaps what's going on here with JFK? We're expecting all this blood and, and guts and it's be really graphic. But in reality, gunshot wounds are not don't, don't always work that way. A gunshot to the neck always works that way. I'm sorry, always. I mean, I'm a hunter. I can tell you right now, that's where I'm aiming. I mean, either behind the shoulder or the neck. If I can get a good, clean neck shot, that's where I'm going because the amount of blood that comes out of a neck shot, it's it's gallons, literally gallons. And it's not like over an hour. It's like in, within a minute, you're bled out. He would have been bled out 
regardless, by the time that car got five blocks down the road, he would have been bled out, completely bled out um, if he had a neck shot. But there's no neck. He, he doesn't grab his neck either. Everybody says, oh, he grabs his neck. No, he doesn't. He does this. He gets to about here. He doesn't do this. And um, But, you know, we have a clear version. So we're the only people that have the clear version. Well, not the only people, but we're the only filmmakers that have a clear version of it. And yes, we speculate in the film, but we're not speculating on the Zabruder film. When we say there's no blood, there's no blood. When we say that, that by the way, it, since you brought up gunshots and all that, when you and you're right, gunshots are not actually that dramatic. When you get shot in the head, it doesn't explode. Your head doesn't explode when you get shot. But that's not what happens. What happens is there's a hole goes in your head and it might come out the other side and put another hole on the other side of which brain matter and stuff would come out. But when you get shoot somebody, there's not a giant explosion. It's completely insane. And, and so, yeah, you're right. Squibs uh, that they use in movies are not the way that gunshots look at all. They don't explode, but in the movies, they always explode, especially if you're Quentin Tarantino and, um, <laughs> And they're very dramatic, and everybody thinks that's that's what a gunshot looks like, but it doesn't. And I think that's the dead giveaway of the Kennedy, uh, the Zabruder film, is that okay. that's not how a gunshot looks. And you talk to any sniper, anyone who's actually killed somebody from afar. Um, I talked to a, a sniper for the FBI, and he just went, "No way, dude. There's no way. That's not how it works. Just so, don't work that way." Not wanting to dwell too long on this blood issue, so Ryder. I mean, it, it, the implication here, then obviously that JFK's faked his death, he's orchestrated this. I mean, how do we then explain, obviously, the body, the autopsy pictures? Because then that throws into question you've had to somehow fabricate uh, cadaver and various other systems to then cover up the fact that JFK is presumably enjoying himself in the Bahamas or something. Well, that's the whole point of our film is that two people were assassinated that day. It wasn't just JFK. There was a officer, J.D. Tippett, that very few people ever talk about that are JFK researchers was also shot that day. And he was shot three times, right? And that is who Oswald was originally arrested for. He was, Oswald was never arrested for the assassination of JFK. Right. He was arrested for killing a police officer. Jefferson Davis Tibbet. And that's the that's the whole thing about our our movie that very few people even know about that JD Tippett was also murdered that day and then we explain what happened there in the second act of the film with uh Jay. Yeah, and uh, JD Tippett's uh, nickname on the Dallas police force was JFK. JFK because he looked just like JFK. He was a had the same hairline, had the same body build, had the same chin, the same uh, 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 almost the same age, and um, uh, uh, you know, and he, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, you're going to tell me that Lee Harvey Oswald has killed two people in his life, only two, as far as we know, and he did them both on the same day, both within an hour of each other, and they both were dead ringers. They were dead ringers for each other. There you go. Now you you telling me that, that the cosmic coincidence machine is working overtime? I think so. Okay. Well, you make a good point in the film about the 
the the few cameras actually pointing in the right places at, at the time this happened. And you you say obviously this is so it's almost akin to Beatlemania. You'd expect a lot more eyes and footage of this. And it seems to me that if you were planning to orchestrate some elaborate squib-based shenanigans, uh, you'd want to make sure this was documented on film and had people in place to do only it. So, I mean, what? Guy, though. So, only, like, what, only from your one position that you can't see anything. If you had, uh, if you could triangulate different camera angles, then you're not going to get away with it. But uh, no one, by the way, I think that's the one point that we bring up in the film that has caused the most disconsternation among the law enforcement agencies because they cannot explain why ABC, CBS, and NBC didn't send a cameraman down to Dallas to shoot the rock star president and his gorgeous wife. And nobody can explain it, and there is no explanation for it. Especially, so it's, it's the implication here that the person behind this approved film was in on the conspiracy and on the act themselves. Well, he was a thirty-third degree Mason, um, and he was the head of the Freemason Lodge in Dallas. And uh, the shooting took place under the Triple Underpass. Dallas is at thirty-three degrees latitude. Um, there's a lot of people that have written about the ritualistic nature of the Kennedy assassination, how it's the killing of the king, and he was Camelot, he was King Arthur, and she was Guinevere, and and the the killing of the king, and the ending of Camelot, Camelot is no more, and and all of that, and uh, there does seem to be some ritualistic acts about so the Kennedy. Two, two, you sorry, Jay, I may just get two quick questions in because we're running out of time, and this is really I'm finding this really fascinating. So I suppose. I mean, if, say, for instance, this film um, did what was orchestrated to show JFK getting shot, uh, but it was really a conspiracy, why, why would it take so long for the film to be released to the public? And the second question is, if it's so obvious to you guys that this was a squib and this was shenanigans, why release it at all? They, they wouldn't need to release it. Um, well, they could. It was, it was a huge fight. It went on for years to release the Superior film. Uh, Oliver Stone finally had forced him into it. But um, I believe because people who work with squibs would see it and say, oh, that's a squib. So he made sure there were low-quality films. Nobody had a high-quality film out. I believe Oliver Stone knows it's a squib. Here's what's going to happen. Somebody, a filmmaker that's well-known, is going to see our film, and this guy is going to have experience working with squibs, and he's going to come out and go, that's a squib. I guarantee that's a squib. Anybody that's worked with squibs looks at that and goes, squib. And for the same reasons that you were saying about gunshot wounds, they're not that dramatic. They're just not. By the way, if you got hot shot with a 30 caliber rifle right here, your entire top of your head is gone. Gone. It's going to cut right through your head and slice it like a ripe tomato. So even that's ridiculous. But what was the second question? So obviously, I think you I think you didn't round about where you did you did answer. I suppose I was asking if um, if this film was made to to sell a lie to the public, why let it be re why not release it earlier? Why was it held back for so long? If they were so desperate to show that the Kennedy was killed uh, with this this footage orchestrated, why not release it straight away? Uh, you know, I don't know. I can't read their minds. Um, I would I would imagine that they didn't want anybody to see it. Um, for the reasons that uh, um, somebody might see that it's a squib uh, and start saying, hey, how come nobody's reacting to gunshots? How, how come none of this is going on? By the way, I'm not the first person to see all this. James Fetzer did a whole symposium on the Zabruder film with all these experts 
in 25 years ago, and they all reached almost all the same conclusions that we did, except they didn't know what a squib was, so they just called it the blob. They say Kennedy puts a blob on his face, right? But they don't know what it is, right? And then they say, why isn't anybody reacting to the gunshots? It wasn't me that came up with this. I, the whole symposium of researchers asked all the questions that I asked, but they didn't isn't know what Right. There isn't also an aspect of this film that it's it's not clear, even after restoration, that it does a, does allow a little bit of leeway to hypothesize because it is so unclear and we can't see for certain precisely what's going on. Well, the splices are still there. No matter how much uh, you have enhanced the film, the, the, the splices are still going to be there. So you can't put frames that were missing back into the film. So, Sorry, Fred, just to pick up on that point, actually, I meant to ask this earlier. How, how much, I mean, how long in time do these frames really account for? How much time are we missing? Uh, a quarter There's second. Four frames. A quarter, four quarter. frames. Yeah. So this, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't know if the PAL system or the NTSC system is the same, but it's typically about 25 frames per second in a film. I uh, know, 18. If it's a super 18 eight, back, it? back then it would have been 18. Oh, it's a super Not eight. A quarter eight, second. Super right. eight. Not super eight, regular eight. Regular, regular eight. eight. Oh. Yeah. So, so uh, showing your age now, Jay. Yeah, 18 frames a second. I, I cut my uh, whole life on on, on eight millimeter. But um, yeah, so a quarter of a second is missing, which doesn't sound like a lot of time. But in a situation like that, a quarter of a second could be anything could happen. Yeah. Well, when you talk to any filmmaker and they see a splice in a film, they can tell you that anything can be after that splice. Yes. That, okay. that's the that's the thing that's the whole point of a, a splice in a film is that you can go in and you can edit whatever you want to be there after the splice there shouldn't be a splice there should not be a splice period do you have any any hunches or suspicions about what the removal of that splice may be hiding yeah if you remove a splice it's... you make a splice you remove the frames don't you yeah i think it was uh uh kennedy uh, acted too late in putting the thing on his face. He should have done it faster earlier behind the stem and three-way sign. And so they cut out that mistake. So he cut out, he, what didn't do it fast enough. Because you can see he's finishing doing it as he's coming out. So he's coming out, he, he's doing this movement, uh, this movement, I mean, on his right side. And, um, and nobody ever says, why is he doing that movement? And then you, that's when you see it. Because in the noonday sun, you can see the shadows of this uh, blob. That's a good word for it. A blob sitting there. And, um, and you know, squibs really weren't getting being used at the time very much in the movie, but four or five times. It wasn't until my generation came in that we discovered squibs. And then we, Brian De Palma and everybody just started going crazy with them and, you know, showing violence. We felt actually that we were showing violence as there really is, and that Hollywood had an antiseptic view of violence before, and that, and so in our way, I suppose, I suppose before we wrap up, can we just all agree on one thing that physical movie squib effects are far superior to digital blood in the modern age? Absolutely, I think, I think that's it. But, gentlemen, truly, this has been fascinating. I've got I've probably got a million more questions and I could speak to you all night, and this is by far the most original. Uh, conspiracy theory that has been floated in my direction regards to um, uh, JFK. So I would I would recommend everybody check out the film for themselves, make their own mind up. It's it's certainly a new novel approach to the assassination. Maybe you could let our viewers and listeners know where they can where they can find that film. 
Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, um, Apple TV. It's not up on Tubi yet. I just checked before the show, but it's going to be up on Tubi. Um, it's on 20 platforms right now, all the big ones, Roku, um, everything. And um, and it, it must be causing quite a stir because we've got all over 200 comments on Amazon. And I was just talking to a filmmaker before the show. And he couldn't believe it. He said, man, it took me seven months to get 200 comments on my, on my film. So it's a big topic. A lot of nasty uh, comments too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just ignore those. It's, uh, it's not good for you, uh, gentlemen. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you so Stephen. much. Good appreciate luck with the film. All the best. Thank you. How do I get out of this? <laughs>